listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. What an incredible reminder of the work of Jesus Christ. This morning, uh, we have come here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who was Jesus, he was the God-man, fully God, Yahweh, who became man. Fully God, fully man, conquering the grave, resurrecting. You know, we do this every Sunday morning. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. One of the ways we do this is by taking time to study God's Word, the Bible, the sacred scriptures. If you're visiting today, uh, one of the things I am excited that you get to do is you get to see what believers normally do on a normal Sunday. We gather, celebrate Jesus' resurrection, and we study the Bible. We study God's Word. The Bible is a library of 66 books, 39 books in the Old Testament, and those 39 are really the, you could say, the the preparation for Jesus Christ, the nursery, getting the nursery ready for him to arrive. Then you have 27 books in your New Testament, which is the arrival and the unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ. Today, what we are going to do is we're doing what we normally do. We are just studying the Bible, and we're going to continue in a book that we have been studying for now a number of weeks that's found in the 50th book of your Bible. It is the book of Philippians. So let me invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn there or uh, you can Google Philippians 4 and uh, find the text. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses there in just a moment. The book of Philippians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to an ancient church found in ancient Philippi. Philippi is now, okay, located, you can see the archaeological findings of this city in the upper part of Greece. Of course, it's written by the Apostle Paul, but God directed his every word. In fact, so that he recorded none other than God's word for us. In this book, there's four chapters. Paul tells Christians, people who have already come and believed in Christ's resurrection, they've already become followers of him and committed to him. He's telling these followers of Jesus how they are to live as citizens of heaven while they're still citizens of earth. We're today, as I said in Philippians chapter 4, and as you come to the end of this letter, the Apostle Paul is giving some final commands to his followers. He's giving these final commands on how they are to stand firm in a secular world. All of you who are here today and you are Christians, you've become followers of Jesus Christ. If that's the case, how are you to live in our secular world? Well, This chapter, chapter 4, opens with how to stand firm, and he gives this little word in verse 1, stand firm thus. 
And then he gives a list of all of these commands that if you're a follower of Jesus, you ought to strive to obey because of what Jesus Christ did for you and his resurrection on the cross. We've looked at numbers of them in the weeks past, but today we are going to look at two very famous ones. In fact, even if you haven't grown up in church, you may be familiar with some of these verses because maybe some of you are visiting. I have our text on the screen in just a moment, but I'd like to read it to you. It's Philippians 4, and I'd like to read verse 6 and 7. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will you join me as I ask God to help us today? Father, Lord, for some reason, you have laid this text on my heart for this day. And Father, as we seek to understand what you were communicating through Paul now 2,000 years ago in this text, I ask that you would awaken our minds so that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. I ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate minds And that you would give me great boldness today to clearly pronounce the message of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's so much in the world that you and I live in that can cause us to become very anxious. Particularly recently with the pandemic And all that's going on in the world, it's like there's so many things that volley for our attention and that can cause us to go into the depths of anxiety. In fact, one of the books I was reading as I was preparing for this pointed out that in modern times, our day, with the advent, first of all, let's say 500 years ago of the printing press, and then of the radio, and then of the telephone, and then of the internet... We know so much more about the problems of this world. We have the problems and a whole lot more clarity. In fact, a notification on my watch or on my phone, just immediately a notification can send me into the depths of fear or anxiety like that. When have you been the most anxious or worried or in panic in your life. Can you pinpoint a time when you were the most anxious or the most in panic? You know, I've had some worrisome situations in my life, but I would say nothing as disconcerting to me than about three years ago. I would personally consider myself a very stable person. Maybe you disagree with that, but I think I'm stable. I think, I think I'm on top of things. And I, up to that point, I felt like I had it pretty much all together. I was at midlife, running on all cylinders with my foot on the gas, 
probably a little bit too much. I was about to preach at a marriage conference. Church work here at Lebanon Baptist Church was incredibly heavy. There were so many things volleying for my attention. I was getting ready to lead a study tour to Israel. I was navigating a busy family at home. And it was after a visit to the doctor, which you you hit a doctor's visit, and it's nothing like a doctor who reminds you of your mortality. He basically, I mean, you're not going to live here forever. You got problems. All of us have problems. For those of you who have gone over the hill, which a number of you have, okay, there comes a point where you realize that you're not Superman or Superwoman anymore. In fact, a number of the check engine lights start to come on. And it was for me one evening, I'm being transparent with you, okay, one evening out of nowhere, okay, I thought I was having a heart attack. It was in my mind, but I got incredibly fearful. I was filled with anxiety. Numbers of you, okay, I know this because I've talked to numbers of you. Numbers of you could give similar stories. Your script would be written a little bit differently because of your situation. The world would call it a panic attack. Okay. Now, if you were to run into me, I probably would have seemed very normal on the outside. Some of you say, you never seem normal on the outside. But you probably would have thought I seemed normal on the outside. But inside, I was kind of a basket case. You'd say, you? Pastor Brian, you felt that way? Yes, I did. You know, fear... Worry, anxiety, panic can come at your door in a number of different packages. It could be something that work and your job is threatened. It could be something with your health. You get the little doctor's appointment or you get that little notification or a voicemail, call me, and all of a sudden you are greatly fearful. Maybe it has to do with your family, or maybe you just need to fill in the blank. You know what it is that causes anxiety. You know, our world that we live in likes to peddle their solutions. This is how you're going to get overcome this. But let me tell you what God offers this world. God offers peace. His peace. And that peace is rooted in the work of Easter. What he did and what he accomplished on that fateful day has given incredible hope and and purpose and movement forward. And I'll say this, if you are a true, and I, I, I think I've expressed this to you, there are such a thing as cultural Christians I mean, there's a lot of cultural Christians, but there's a vast difference between a cultural Christian who's kind of grow up in Christianity, they show up at church here and there, but then of biblical Christians, people who actually have become a follower of Jesus the Bible way. 
And you ought to investigate that if that's something new to you. Because there's numbers of people, like the Bible says, that will say in the day of judgment, didn't I like speak about you and prophesy in your name? And then he will say, I never knew you, depart from me. So you better make that clear whether you're a biblical Christian. Well, in this letter, true biblical Christians can handle anxiety biblically. In fact, the message, the, the, the main truth I want you to get this morning is this. In a world of worry, God offers peace to those who ask. Let me say that again. In a world of worry, because we got a lot, a lot of things out there to worry about, God offers peace to those who ask. Now, if you read that and you come here normally, you'll notice something up there that's not normally there. You say, what is it? It's an, it's an asterisk. You say, why in the world did you put an asterisk up there? Well, whenever you see that normally by writing, you've got to read the what? The fine print, the footnote. Do you guys see it? (laughs) Can any of you read it? Okay. You know what that is? That's our text this morning. Okay. You can just read that and a lot of you would say, oh, great. But just like when you're trying to buy something and then you realize, oh, 20%, all of these things. And then you read the fine print and they got 85 objects that's not covered in the sale. And you may be here today, says, oh, God offers peace to those who ask. I asked him and he didn't answer. Well, did you read the fine print? Did you read the word? You say, what is the fine print? Well, there's nothing finer than the scriptures. Okay. And you got to know what the Bible says in order to understand this. And this offer, what you'll find, is limited to certain ones who ask in a certain way. So, are you looking for peace? If you are, let me suggest to you three different aspects that we'll find in this text. And the first is this. First, you see the rebuke. The rebuke is this. Don't be anxious about anything. He rebukes this church. The text opens with this command. Look what it says again in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Another way of putting that was this. He basically says, stop worrying. Stop it. Evidently what this reveals is that here was a group of Christians, the Philippians, who had a pretty bad habit. That a lot of us have. Aren't you glad that other people struggle with it too? Okay. And that struggle was this. They love to worry. This is a real struggle for a believer. So if you're here today and you say, "Uh uh-oh, I worry a lot, you're in good company. Because the Philippians did too. But what Paul does is he calls them to stop worrying about what? Anything. I mean... What does he mean by that? He means anything. He encompasses all of life. Now, if there was anybody who you thought could have been susceptible to worry and probably deserved to worry, it was these Philippians. They had a lot of things up against them. There were so many people who lived in their particular community where they were a new church that were hostile to their faith. Their leader, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter, is in prison. 
persecution is looming, no doubt because of their newfound faith, their businesses are under attack, their family and friends who used to be their family and friends, many of them rejecting them because of their commitment to Christ. I'll tell you this, although anxiety is a reality for them and for you and for all Christians, it should not be our status quo. I gave that asterisk since this command, okay, it comes to us in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, but realize that this command and the promise that is attached to it was written to who? It was written to Christians, biblical Christians. It is people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. People who have chosen him as their Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and there has never been a time when you have come to grips with the person of Jesus and come to faith and believe that he actually, this is what you have to do, you have to actually believe that he lived, that he was God, that he came to earth, lived a flawless life, and he died in your place, and he rose again, and you have to choose him. The Bible says, for as many as received him, you have to receive Jesus, for as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. This promise about overcoming worry in a worrisome world, you know who it's to? It's not to everybody. It's to those who ultimately have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, there is no better day than for you to come to grips and believe in Jesus Christ than Easter Sunday. Today is the day of salvation investigate him. If you, if you want to investigate more, we would love to be able to take time and share with you this. But this whole book was written to saints. The word saint means a holy one. How many of us are holy? Many of us say, no way I'm holy. And that's true. But you can become holy, not because of your own actions, but because of being credited with God's holiness. And that comes to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this promise of not worrying that we have to stop it comes from God to believers who have trusted him. You must come to right conclusions about Jesus Christ. But why can Paul say to this group of believers to stop worrying? And the reason for this is this. Did you know that the gospel... When you accepted the gospel and you accepted Jesus Christ, it had the answer to all of your anxieties. I mean, just if you were to list out all your anxieties, did you know that the gospel within it, within that acorn of of truth that God has given in the gospel is really the answer to help you with that? One, One of them is death. Do you fear death? Jesus overcame death at Easter. You don't have to fear it. In fact, in Hebrews 2, verse 15, this is a great verse for those who fear death. It says this about Jesus. And he freed us and freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of what? Death. 
You don't have to fear death anymore. Because believers, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Not only that, all the trials that you have in life, whatever happens, whatever goes in and out of your life, if you're a child of God, the the thing about what God does is this, he is working all things in your life for your good. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, many of you are familiar with it, and we know that all things work together, and then it says this, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Yes, anxiety is real. And I'm looking at some of you across this room. If you were to open up a little bit about your own personal story, anxiety, it can come at you in all different angles. It's real. But this verse tells us you are to stop worrying. And if God gives a command, he must give us the power to stop it. He doesn't leave us hanging. Uh, I remember, I watched it again last night to remind myself of it. It was a number of years ago someone introduced me to this little skit that Bob Newhart did. Many of you are familiar with Bob Newhart, and it's this skit where he's kind of doing some counseling, and a young lady comes in for counseling, and as she comes in for counseling, uh, he just begins by saying, uh, uh, I charge $5 for five minutes to counsel. And then everything after the five minutes is free. And she was like, great, this is awesome. And he says, but I just want you to know, I normally have everything solved in five minutes. I mean, it will be done in five. And so she ends up, okay, okay. he says, okay, let's start. And she basically shares, I have a fear of being put into a, a box underground and not being able to get myself out. Oh, and he, he listens for just a moment. And he says, okay, I, I, I'm about to give you my counsel for you. And I want you to get ready for this. It's just two words. And, uh, and she says, should I write it down? He says, well, if you want to, but most people uh, don't forget it. And, and he looks at her and says, stop it. <laughs> and, and she's a little shaken. And he tells her again, stop it. And of course, it's all a joke, but basically, he's basically telling her, stop doing this. And it's almost like the Apostle Paul tells us, stop worrying. And all of us are like, oh yeah, how am I supposed to do this? The good thing about our Bible is this. He doesn't simply tell us what not to do. He tells us how to do it. Isn't that wonderful? So this morning, anxiety may be very real to you, and you understand the gripping nature of it. COVID, of course, accentuated it, and God wants you to stop doing it. So what are you anxious about? Is it your final exams? Is it that relationship or the relationship you're in? Is it your finances right now? Is it your job situation? Some of you, you worry all the time about your children. Or your grandchildren. Or maybe you're worrying right now about that decision that you have to make. Or your home. Or your health. Thankfully, God says, don't do it. But then he gives a remedy. And that's the second thing I want you to see. The remedy. And what is this? What's the remedy? It's to pray with thanksgiving about what? Everything. 
Let me say that again. Pray with thanksgiving about everything. That's what the end of verse 6 says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what does God call you to do in the midst of your worry? He says this, I want you to pray. And what he does is he uses four different words for prayer. He uses the word prayer. Did you catch that? He uses the word supplication. He uses thanksgiving. And then he uses one final word, request. So what are these four words? Well, prayer, that word prayer is really the most general word for prayer. And it just speaks of a person going to God for help. Okay, and let me remind you when it comes to this, there is only one God. And you've got to go to the right God because there's only one. In fact, the Bible says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He's one, and how do do I get to know him? The Bible says no one has ever seen God But then it says, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him fully known. You say, who is that? That was Jesus. That's why we often end our prayers in Jesus' what? Name. The way you know the Father is through God the Son. You have to accept him. And that gives you the ability to actually pray to God. And that word says, don't worry about anything, but then... In everything by prayer. So that's the general word for prayer. And then he says supplication. What's that? That is bringing your urgent request before God. So you have like urgent requests. I'm looking at a number of you. You have urgent requests right now. And you're worried about them. The Bible says you ought to pray to God with supplication. Bring them before him. And then let's go to that last word, request. What, what is that? Those are all the specific petitions that we have in prayer. Let's say supplication is more of the big thing. All these requests are all of these other things that we're like, I need help with this, 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 and this. What Paul is saying in this verse is he wanted these Philippians to bring all their anxieties to God in prayer. Literally, it says, let them be made known to God. Now, here's a question for you. Does God not already know them? He does. In fact, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And you're like, why does he want me to ask? Why can't we just deal with this? Just help me anyway. Well, he wants you to bring them before him. What does prayer do? It allows us to unburden ourselves at his feet. I know for me, when I have difficulties with certain things, I need to talk it out. I need to just unburden myself. And God calls us to be people that whatever cares we have is to unburden ourselves to him. To open ourselves to him. He can do something about it. In fact, he's the only one who can do anything that's needed to bring about what needs to happen. And then I want you to notice one final thing he tells them to do. 
We're supposed to bring our requests. We're supposed to pray. But there's a key couple of words that if you miss, you're in trouble. You're to bring it with what? With thanksgiving. And what this shows is this. This lays out the attitude and the manner of our praying. And what it indicates is this. It indicates whether you in this room really can talk to God because Thanksgiving shows whether you truly have faith. Because in James it says... When it talks about asking God, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So how is thanksgiving connected to faith? Because I'll tell you, honestly, you cannot truly give thanksgiving unless you believe it. Unless it is true and you know it. And when you come with thanksgiving, what you're thanking him for is this. You're thanking him for who he is because you believe that he is a good God, that he is a gracious God, because that's what the Bible uncovers about him. That he is a loving God. He's a God who's in control. He is one who's provident. He is one who has grace. And those who can pray with thanksgiving are people who have actually been recipients of his grace. They have been people who have felt his wisdom and his providence. And what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to take everything to him in prayer. One person put it this way. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Personally for me, my own journey out of that particular situation of anxiety was for me reminding myself of God's character and thanking him for it. And did it get solved like immediately? No, it took some time. I had to unburden myself to him in prayer. When was the last time that you prayed explicitly and lengthily about your anxieties? And you unburdened your soul to God about whatever you were dealing with. One author said it this way, anxiety and prayer are like fire and water. They need to meet, (laughs) okay? If you're going to put out the fire of anxiety, you need to let the, the water of prayer come into your life. For some of you, you need to call on God for the first time. You may be here today and your life has been filled with anxiety. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Call on him to be your savior. And that brings us finally to the result. What's the result? Okay, the rebuke was, of course, worry. Stop worrying. The, the remedy was to bring everything to God with thanksgiving and prayer. And the result is this. God's peace will guard you. That's the result. God promises an absolutely colossal gift. I mean, there is nothing. I mean, when you think of the colossal gift of peace 
the peace of God. This is amazing. This ranks up there with the colossal gifts of life and light in John 1. Listen to what he says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. You say, what is this? Literally, God will give you his peace. This is not some subjective, human-manufactured peace. This is not the, don't worry, be happy, vacation type of peace that maybe you'll get in Jamaica, okay? This is not that type of peace. This is an objective, this is actually God's peace that he himself enjoys, It's almost like this. It's almost like being in the midst of all this panic and worry and anxiety and going to a place where everything is in perfect control. Where there is unlimited resources at this person's disposal. Infinite love for you infinite knowledge of your particular situation, your particular health, your particular dealings in life, perfect understanding of that situation, and the ability and the power to work it all out to absolute perfection. And as you're there in that particular locale, you become overwhelmed with that relationship And in that relationship, he shares with you his peace. And your focus moves away from where you're at to who he is. Did you catch the difference there? Some of you, this is going way over your head. Because you know what? God opens an understanding of this through the knowledge of his son. In fact, the text says this is peace that surpasses understanding. You're saying, what does that mean? Well, it can be taken two ways. It could mean this. It's beyond human comprehension. You and I cannot even comprehend. Our brains are too weak. We don't have the math to calculate this type of peace. That's what it could mean. Or it could mean this. That it surpasses all human planning and scheming. You know, we try to manufacture peace. Maybe it's that lake house in the mountains that, hey, I'm going to get peace and this is where I'm going to go to. And you try to plan your way to get peace again. What I think this is saying is we can try to manufacture peace, but God's peace, this peace that he offers is a peace that surpasses all types of human planning. Your peace looks like a mud pie in comparison to an artistic, beautiful sandcastle by a master designer. And what will this peace do when you get it? The Bible says it will do this. It will guard your hearts and minds. What does that mean, guard? Well, guard was really what you guys 
probably think it means. It was this idea, it was a military term used for soldiers guarding a citadel or guarding a particular prisoner. Roman soldiers, you know what they did? Roman soldiers were called during this day to guard the Pax Romana. You know what that was? The peace of what? The peace of Rome. And there were guards that were stationed in various places all across the ancient world on all these Roman roads and all these Roman colonies. And their job was to guard the Pax Romana, the the peace of Rome. But it's interesting. What the Bible says is the exact opposite. It is God's peace that actually guards you. It sets itself around you. In fact, when Paul wrote this, he would have been a guy who had experienced Roman guards firsthand. He had had some guarding him at this very time. In fact, there was at one point, and you remember this story when he gets arrested in Jerusalem, and there were 40 guys who said this. They all covenanted together that they were not going to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. However, the word of that particular commitment, somehow, I believe it was an answer to the Romans' prayers. The Romans had been praying for this, and God allows Paul to find out about this ploy, And so the message gets to the head of these Roman guards. And so what happens is Paul ends up having an escort take him to Caesarea with 470 Roman soldiers guarding one prisoner. And I just happen to think maybe when he wrote this and the peace of God, I mean, the peace of God will guard your heart. Maybe he was thinking, yeah, I had 470 Roman soldiers guarding me that day. But I'll tell you this, there's something much better than 470 Roman soldiers, and that is the peace of God. And it will guard me. It will not only guard me, it will guard, it says this, your hearts and minds. You say, what was the heart? The heart spoke of the center of man's emotions and his will. The mind spoke of man's thoughts. When he uses both of them, he was talking about this. Your whole inner man, the whole inner part of your being. He says, and the peace of God, which passes all human scheming, will guard your hearts and your minds, your whole inner person. Now, did you notice that he uses plural there? Your hearts and minds. Now, how many hearts and minds do you guys have? Now, all of you would say, I only got one. Remember this. He's not talking to an individual. He's talking to a what? A group. And I believe that peace of God in this battle with anxiety is not something that is an individual thing. It is something that God has also given God's people. It will guard all of your hearts and all of your minds together. He uses the plural and he speaks of the church as a community dealing with this. And I'll tell you this, this is a team effort. I mean, honestly, I think some people have said sometimes God smites a shepherd so he can have 
compassion for his sheep. I think one of the reasons why God put me in the situation he did a number of years ago, because as soon as I dealt with it, I realized there were so many other people who've been in the same boat. And I was able to feel the same compassion and be able to say, okay, this is what God, this is not simply what God says in his word. This is what God taught me. We need to do this together. We need to pray together. We fight, fight anxiety together. Don't make this just about you. You need a family. And numbers are involved in this. And God allowed me to deal with this so I could preach this message today to you. And the text closes with this. Let me read it again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know where you get all this? You get it all through Jesus. He is the answer. And if you don't have Christ, you don't have this peace. The foundation of this was what he did on the resurrection day. You've got to have Christ. This all comes to us in the sphere of a relationship with Jesus Christ. As I said to you, this entire letter was written to the followers of Jesus. Read the first two verses of Philippians. He tells them this to the saints at Philippi. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of your son. So God's peace is there. In fact, Romans 5.1 says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you've never come to Jesus Christ, there's no peace for you. You may be able to try to manufacture peace in your own way and you move from uh, situation to situation. But as Isaiah 48, 22 says, when it comes to eternal peace, there is no peace, saith the Lord, for the wicked. So this morning, we've learned this truth. In a world of worry, God offers peace to those who ask. Jesus, that night before he goes to the cross, he told of this peace. During that last supper, he says this, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. What he's basically saying is, don't what? Don't worry. Neither be afraid. And of course we know, for the Lord your God is with you, whithersoever you go with. Lebanon Baptist Church, you can have this peace. You've got to go to him with thanksgiving. In an anxiety-prone world, if you're a member of Lebanon Baptist Church, if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the ways that we show our citizenship in heaven is not that we don't worry, because we struggle. We do. I do. You do. But we know what to do with our worry. We've got to stop it. And we've got to learn how to take everything to him in prayer and learn how to manifest in a tumultuous world the peace of God that passes all understanding that is keeping all of our hearts and minds because of us knowing Christ. So this morning, if you're struggling right now with worry, 
you're in good company. Learn from our text what you must do with it. But if you're here today, and maybe today you were just introduced to this new peace that you can have, let me tell you, the doorway is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. And we would love to introduce you to Jesus. Praise be to God the Father. Praise be to God the Son. Praise be to God the Holy Spirit. Look what he's done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, you know why you led me to speak on this text this morning. And Father, I ask that you would use the words that were given to bring peace to those who've never had it before and peace to those who have Jesus but need to grow in their understanding of the peace of God. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you need to call on Jesus to be your Savior. You know what? You can call on Him now. You can simply say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need Christ. I need you to be my Savior and I want to begin to follow and walk with you. I need to grow in this. Call out to Him. And then please share this with someone so we can show you what it means to begin to walk with Jesus Christ. True faith is going to lead to a life of following Jesus. And those in in the room here, if you need to talk to Jesus right now and ask him to be your helper in whatever anxiety you're dealing with, would you call on him right now? I'm going to have the pianist play through just the song and whatever God's doing in your heart, would you talk to him about it? Lebanon Baptist Church, let me encourage you to live like it's Easter every day. Because it is. Because Jesus rose and he is living and breathing, go and eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. No, mine kind of are close to white. Let your garments always be white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Live life. In that text, with the wife whom you love all the days, and it says, of your vain life, for that is your lot. There is an eternity. Live for him. And he saved you. He resurrected. And he's going to resurrect you. So you know what? As you leave today, Celebrate Easter, but don't let it stop till he comes back. Until you actually get to hug him as well. Let's pray. Father, as we dismiss today, I ask that we would live wholeheartedly for you. Help us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And all the people of the Lord said, amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. 
If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.